Okay, I'm ready. Indie or AAA? AAA. IAPs or ads? Ads. Casual or strategy? Casual. You're listening to Level Up with Melissa Zalouf. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Melissa Zalouf, and you're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and of course, playing mobile games. Today on the show, we have Tatiana Bogatrieva, head of UA at Gram Games, and we're going to be talking about the differences in UA or ad-driven titles versus IAP-heavy titles. Tatiana, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Melissa. Really excited to chat about UA. You're head of UA at Gram Games, as I said, but before that, you worked in UA for GSN and for Disney Interactive. How did you get into the gaming space? <laughs> I've got that question quite a lot mm-hmm. in terms of gaming i've never really been a hardcore gamer i've played like doom and some of the sega games with my father growing up when i was studying finance in the university i never really considered korean gaming until in 2012 i was approached by disney and back then it was really i would say quite exciting times for mobile gaming space everything was just starting out especially uh, user acquisition right. and i thought for me given my background in finance user acquisition seemed to be a really good mix of this data driven role but also with the creativity that advertising would provide very exciting times working with amazing D- disney ip like uh, marvel the cpis were low it was easy to rank in the top 10 i would say the industry was very different and less advanced but since i do have a restless so mm-hmm. I decided to really see the industry from a different perspective. So I worked right. for a mobile marketing agency in Berlin, particularly because I was really curious to see how different developers approach their UA strategy, how they approach LTV, to see launch plans, burst, instant traffic, everything. It really was, I would say, kind of a crash course because I got to work with Russian developers, American developers, e-commerce, and I was they're really soaking up all the knowledge and I would say the best practices from mm-hmm. some of the top players. Did you mm-hmm. feel that being on the agency side mm-hmm. took you further mm-hmm. from the game itself? And and how did that impact how you approached UA? Because of course, having a bit of distance can be useful because it gives you kind of clarity of vision. Being further from the product also brings with it kind of a, a lack of in-depth information. I definitely prefer the UA side game developer side more because of, as you mentioned, the proximity to the information to the developer team, really understanding the game and working with all the internal teams. That is what is missing at the agency, right? We get various KPIs. You're kind of putting together the pieces, an ideal scenario, but you don't know because you don't know the entire funnel. And that is what being on the UA side provides. And especially like now at Graham, the developers and designers make prototypes from scratch. Mm -hmm. So you're able to start being involved in the process from the very, very beginning. That helps tremendously in user acquisition to in understanding, for example, the core of the game and especially like how to market it, just kind of that connection. And that is the reason why, you know, after working at the agency for two years, I wanted to go back to doing user acquisition. What in fact brought you to ground games in the first place? I still really was drawn more to casual or even like super casual space because of the broader appeal of the games and the impact that you can make on the industry because there are millions of players and there's Mm. an opportunity to make more impact, I guess, more freedom, right, of exploration. And the other aspect that attracted me to Graham was the duality of this UI because when I joined, I knew that they're working on both ad-driven games and a new in-app purchase title, Merge Dragons, that just Mm. came out last summer. So for me, I thought it was a new challenge. What would you say is unique in how Graham approaches UA? Well, first of all, we have to make the adjustment and the fact that we're doing 
both. So we need to build the core tools, analysis, optimization, creatives, and then we're able to, I would say, pool the ones and adapt them to both ad-based titles and IAP titles because the UA approach for each of these is, is actually quite different. It's very important to understand the limitations of each mm-hmm. and truly see the target audience because as, as we would like to say, it's not really user acquisition, it's more player acquisition, especially mm-hmm. when you're looking at the ad-driven side of things. We're really looking to drive engaged players into the app. So it's really figuring out the right approach and allocating the really limited resources of the UA team. We just have four people and also two uh, marketing artists, right? So we need to split the time wisely Mm -hmm. and work with the right partners that are able, for example, to do both at scale. And is UA a part of the thinking during Graham's prototyping period? Mm-hmm. UA is actually involved from the very beginning. Once there's an idea mocked up, it becomes a prototype. And during the prototype phase, UA comes in and we have to advertise the game in a limited capacity and then give feedback in terms of the funnel metrics, IPM, CPIs, uh, and then the game team looks at their attention. And that's when the decision is made whether to progress into the next stage. You sort of find yourself being in the tough position of having to say listen this title isn't going to work because ROI positive UA isn't a viable option here. So on our end the decision primarily comes from the game team based on their retention metrics. We have a kind of framework for certain metrics that day one, day seven, day 14 that the game needs to hit. Obviously UA can be optimized. Uh, retention is something that is the responsibility of the product. So sometimes they'll go back and may fix it but if the retention is not there there's not much we could do on the UI side, but we try to work together. So we're not the bad guys that come in and say, no, we're not going to mm-hmm. advertise your game. Is it a challenge to run UA campaigns for so many new titles? What we do on the ad-driven side of things is that because of Graham's years of experience and successfully, I would say, launching prototypes, soft launches, global launches, we've developed a very specific process of not only successful of these, but also the ability to kind of predict the success of the title. And we have this process down and very, very developed that we follow. So this organization definitely helps. But just to give an idea, at any given moment, UA could be working on ideas, prototypes, soft launch, global launch, and IAP uh, and UA for a regular IAP title, which is March Dragon. So we're trying to prioritize both and trying to do both at scale. And as I said, because of that kind of processes that we have on the ad-driven side of things and the automation, we're able to successfully release games every few months now. I guess that's that would be the goal for 2018 in specifically in the merch and the idol franchise. Graham Games is known for success. With games that you know that, that as you said, have very low barriers mm-hmm. to entry, what do you think kind of led to that focus on creating hyper-casual games and, and doing so well in that specific category? I would say it came about quite, quite organically, right, with a successful launch of uh, 1010. Mm-hmm. And from that on, it just carried over, like that initial popularity success, both kind of at Graham and overall in the industry, helped really grow the genre and I would say solidified as a viable business model because back in the day, it was only freemium model that was working monetized via in-app purchases or maybe kind of some of the paid titles. Not a lot of folks are really seriously looking at um, ad-driven monetization as, as, as I said, as this kind of a serious solution. If you look now, 2017 and 2018, so many companies like us, Voodoo, Bitmango, Ketchup, that are relying on that for good success, right? right? And as I mentioned, a large portion of that is because of 
the reach to the millions of players. And in terms of Graham, I, I really believe that it's these internal initiatives of designing games and really perfecting this prototyping funnel. Mm -hmm. And it's also the iteration that we started on this merge franchise. We don't match the items, but you actually merge, creating subgenres of the casual space, merge plus idle component, which is merge town and merge farm, and adding a puzzle component to that as well. So moving slightly away from the very super casual to slightly more casual. It's that innovation of the process and the pipeline that allowed us to continuously churn those out. And since I didn't really mention before Merge Dragons and I don't want it to be left behind, Graham Games took a pivot and decided to launch last summer the first in-app purchase games, which is Merge Dragons, that has absolutely not a single ad in it. Right, which is right. a completely yeah, which is a completely different pivot and a and a different approach, and both in monetization and the rest, because we believe that uh, we could do both successfully, and it's a good balance provided to the super casual aspect. How mm -hmm. does UA differ from mm -hmm. an ad-driven title versus an IAP uh, mm -hmm. focused or IAP only mm -hmm. title? So I would say overall, looking at the top line, there's a different life cycle and investment strategy in UA for IP versus ad-driven games. Ad-driven games, the lifetime of the user can be anywhere from seven to 30 days or more, really, depending on the type of the game versus the 365 day plus window that we usually look at for, for IAP titles. Ad-driven ones have a much shorter production time release. The approach you need to maximize the user value in the first few days of the launch and then work on maintaining it. There's a lot more pressure during the initial global launch as opposed to IAP. It is still important, uh, the global launch, but later on, you could still work on optimization, adding key markets and the rest. There's not as much, I would say, pressure on this short lifetime making an impact in, in the industry or in the user's minds during that initial time frame. And hence also like the KPIs that we look at for UA vary a lot uh, uh, between these two. For ad-driven titles, we're looking for high volume, low CPIs for non-incent traffic, a very high retention metrics because that is what makes a successful player base for ad-driven titles. Scale is critical, retention is critical as well, as opposed to IP title where scale is important, but you're still given more room to optimize. Do you think that having to be faster responder to to crack a UA strategy for a hyper-casual title faster has made you better on the IAP side as well? <laughs> like, at least I'd like to believe so. So what we try to do is exchange learnings between the two because we don't split the UA team in half and say, you know, one half works on IAP, the other half works on ad-based. We all just work on everything. What you could take from IAP is the really granular level of optimization. You could understand the value of the user down to the device level, like say, okay, Canada, iPhone 8 user on a Friday is worth this much. That is not mm -hmm. something currently that you're able to do on the ad-driven side of things. From the ad-based stuff, what we could really learn is really understand the importance of gameplay. And that is what I would say also separates the two is the creative because it's pure gameplay. And if you are more limited mm -hmm. in, in terms of spend with an ad-driven mm -hmm. title or in terms of, let's let's say, CPIs, mm -hmm. what are some of the hacks you can implement to get around that? And, and do innovations like playable or interactive mm -hmm. ads factor in as one of those Mm -hmm. shortcut or, or hack for saying okay I don't I maybe mm -hmm. don't have a huge CPI to play with but I still need to get good scale and good quality mm -hmm. definitely so um, for new partners that uh, we're trying to integrate for ad driven titles usually tell us that the CPI is too low no CPI is low 
if if you know the funnel metrics are great if the ctr is above average if the ipm which is the insults per thousand impressions is amazing it doesn't matter how low the cpi is because the network will be able to make it work so creatives specifically on the ctr and ipm side of things play a very very important role and then you mentioned playables for us, they're a very core part of our creatives for actually both of the genres uh, that we run. Because of the representatives of gameplay, because of the preview, the user from the onset is able to see what the gameplay is like. And for the Adrian titles, more so because the playable essentially gives away most of the gameplay and mm-hmm. most of the things that you could actually see and like and do in the game within 15 to 30 seconds. Also, the funnel metrics as well match up for the playables and we're seeing for example some of the highest retention come in from the playable units so that for us has been a key driver how much a part does cross promo play in your ua efforts so we have a separate team that handles cross promo we work really closely with our monetization team specifically to understand the drivers of the eltv of the adrian side of things like for example ad placements, ad frequency, seasonality of eCPMs. And because for the ad-driven side UA, right, you really need to try to understand if you're seeing improvements in retention because of what we're doing or because of improvements in product, if there's a new rewarded placement or if there's a better like waterfall implementation or things like that. And especially now with header bidding coming out, we're watching this uh, even mm-hmm. more closely because we will see the impact for, you know, for both of our genres and both sides of the UA. Do you think at a good understanding of monetization is key to do UA for ad-driven titles or even to do UA in general. It seems as though the, those two sides of, of the coin are coming closer and closer together. Do you think that you need to have a good understanding of monetization if you're going to be good at UA? If you want to do it well and at scale, I think it's important to have at least a basic understanding of what affects CTR, why some ad placements have higher or lower, why banners may not be so good. How does ad frequency capping may affect that? What is a win rate? How you could influence that? What is a seasonality, right? Like, I think it's very, very crucial for the two sides to work together because if you just approach it, you know, on a CPI basis, ROI, you know, you're just buying traffic, you may be missing some of the points or improvement factors more effectively. For us, I would say, I think we have a good overview of the entire ad ecosystem because we buy ads to drive users to our ad-driven titles for which then show ads for other games right and then at the same time we drive players between the apps and at the same times we sometimes buy ads from other ad-driven developers to merge dragons our ip titles so there's a lot of this connecting things. Are you good at, at making sure all of that information is getting processed in, in one place? It's a challenge, right? There's a lot mm-hmm. of different activities, a mm-hmm. lot of different partners, a lot of different metrics. And yet it's sort of a virtuous loop of information mm-hmm. that informs one on the other. So first of all, we have a very flat hierarchy. So the relationship is very easy between the various teams like BI monetization and the UA team and we're not a very large company. So the flow in information is easier from the onset but in terms of data we have a centralized place where everything is organized and i would say we try to grow as granular as as possible in that regard and only just to understand why certain let's just say placements or ad types work well but also go beyond and try to see why look at the actual app names and see oh, why this app just got featured, the quality may not be so good, maybe we shouldn't spend as much, or this app has more kids traffic that, for example, mm-hmm. for Merch Dragons doesn't work well. So I would say we're trying to go beyond statistics back up to try to understand 
why are we buying traffic from specific apps and why some work more than others. Speaking of the rising viability of ad monetization mm-hmm. as a revenue stream, mm-hmm. do you think ad-driven games will eventually take over? And this is a contentious question and it's an argument yeah, I have often, but, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to say which side I come down on. Do, mm-hmm. do you think ad-driven games will eventually sort of take over IAP-driven games? <laughs> I think it really depends how the industry approaches it. I would say there's room for all the different types. Like, for example, there's us who are doing almost 100% in-game ads versus a few larger developers are now entering ads and doing maybe 20, 30% of their revenue is driven through ads, right? Mm-hmm. And they're trying to make money off of non-paying users. There's a few that are just focusing on cross-promo. I don't think one side will overtake the other. I think there's definitely room for all the developers to coexist. And I think it gives a really good flexibility for some of the newer developers or indies to choose the model that fits for them, not say, ah, okay, I just want to do IAP or I just want to do ad-driven and maybe do a mix and like that. Because what I really believe is that, you know, for like super casual players, they enter the space and perhaps if they weren't given this kind of very super casual low barrier to entry titles, they would have been on Netflix, they would have been hanging out with their friends, they may not have been in gaming. This gives them an opportunity to mature to other games because mm-hmm. we and the other at driven developers are a significant traffic source for users who, as I said, just idly sitting there, maybe playing on the Metro, but slowly as they watch ads, they kind of get upgraded to a different mm-hmm. experience. It's, it's a careful balance, but I, I, in general, I think I'm quite hopeful. And as I said, it's important to have that flexibility and new, I would say, business models where you're not just attached to, to one or the other, also for UA, because the benefit of a traditional IEP integrating a portion of the ads is that if done well, you're obviously able to have higher CPIs for your IEP title and acquire more users because you're taking into to consideration the extra ad revenue you know that is generated from the non-paying users that may still be valuable but just from a different perspective I agree with you and I think that's a very the the hopeful vision makes a lot of sense but but I Mm -hmm. guess I guess time will tell thank you very very much for sharing your experience and your insight Mm -hmm. and thank you to all of you for listening to this episode of level up see you next episode pc or mobile mobile free to play or pay to play play. ios or android ios shower or bar (laughs) (laughs) 